Uh, the first question I'm going to ask you guys this morning is this. What do you think of when you hear the word home? What comes to your mind? I just got back from Arkansas this week. I was bragging about you guys over there, telling a bunch of those cowboys over there. Uh, not Dallas Cowboys, like actual cowboys with the hats and the bandanas. I was telling them over there about you guys bragging about Swerve Church and just telling them about all the great things that God is doing in and through each and every single one of you guys. And I had a great time, but you know what? There's something about heading back home, and I just couldn't wait. I mean, they treated me really well over there. I ate really great, but I was like, man, I got to get back home. Uh, do you agree, right? Don't you agree about there's something about sleeping in your bed, bathing in your shower, and kicking up your smelly feet on the sofa, right? There's something just special about that. There's just no place like home. Now, how about church? What do you think, what, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you think of church? What, what comes to your mind? When you think of church, do you think of home? Do you think, do you view the church like home? In other words, do you view it like a place that you belong? Is it a place that you belong? Can I confess something uh, to you guys this morning? This is my confession. I want you to picture your church like home. That's my confession. I want you to view your church like your home. I want you to view Swerve Church like home. I want you to see where you are like home. And I want you to see the people sitting in front of you and next to you like family. Because that is what the church is. In fact, if you're taking notes, the big idea for today is this. You can fill in uh, the blank. You should have received a note inside of your bulletin. Uh, take your pens out, fill this in. It says this, that the church is not an event to attend, but a family to belong to. The church is not an event to attend, but a family to belong to. You know, so often because of our society and our westernized, modernized, consumeristic way of thinking, we can make church to be this event that we attend on a weekly basis. You know, maybe you go to this weekly event, maybe you get a couple goosebumps, you get a couple chills, you drink a good cup of coffee, you leave a little encouraged, hopefully by the message, but then you head right out those doors and see you next week. You know, but when that becomes your perspective on church, you miss out on so much, on all that God truly intended the church to be. He intended so much more. It's so much more than a weekly event. It's so much more than a motivational speech or some songs that you sing. It's not an event, but a family. You know, we're more connected than ever be before because of technology and social media and things like Facebook and Instagram. Yet we're tempted to live more isolated than ever. Our temptation is to foster a bootleg sense of community online while living disconnected relationally offline. Right? Isn't that a temptation? intrinsically wired into each and every single one of us. I don't care who you are, introverted, extroverted, I don't care how you're wired, intrinsically wired into all of us is a desire to know and be known. We all have that because God designed us for relationship. He designed us for community. And I strongly believe that the church is God's answer to our relational need. Why? Because the church is not an event that you go to, but a family to belong to. And during our series, No Place Like Home, we'll be looking at a passage from the book of Acts, right? Acts chapter 2, uh, Stephen just finished reading it for us. And, and primarily for this whole series, we're basically going to be looking at those uh, couple of verses there for the whole series. We're going to spend the next uh, five, six weeks reading through this passage, which describes what happens when a group of people put their faith and trust in Jesus and when the Holy Spirit fills their lives. If you ever want to know, what, what happens when, when a group of people put their faith in Jesus, they trust Jesus, and when the Holy Spirit fills them, what happens next? That's what we're reading here in this book, in, in these verses. 
Here's what happened leading up to this text, right? Jesus walked among the disciples. He was teaching them. He was bringing the kingdom of God from heaven to earth, right? He was healing people and teaching the disciples. He lives the perfect and sinless life that you and I couldn't live. But Jesus is ultimately executed innocently. He's led to the cross and he's by, by those that rejected him and his claims to be God. They put him on the cross and he dies. And he dies a gruesome death and he's placed into a grave. But he's miraculously raised to life. And he begins to appear to the disciples. And he appears to them and other believers throughout Jerusalem. And he tells the disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. Guys, you're going to want to wait for this Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit gets here, when you have the Holy Spirit, you're going to do greater works than even I did. And so the Holy Spirit, he ascends into heaven. And the Holy Spirit is poured out on the believers. And they are empowered to boldly proclaim the gospel, to heal the sick, to heal the spiritually oppressed. And the Bible says that God adds to the number daily and the church grows. This is what's happening leading up to these verses right here. And the passage that we're reading today is what happens as a result of a committed group of followers of Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we want to see what the church should look like, I'm not saying what it does look like, but what it should look like, this is one of the best examples that we have in all of the New Testament. And what you're going to see is that there was community, there was relationship, there was family. Now, if the result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and following Jesus results in community and unity and togetherness and all that stuff, then what does that tell you about disunity and isolation? Where does that come from? If unity, togetherness, if community, relationship, if all that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit and following Jesus, then where does this unity and isolation come from? Think about that for a second. Now, as a church, what we want to be is more than a Sunday gathering, more than a couple songs, more than a motivational speech. What do we want? We want the church to be a place to belong. So how do we make the church a place to belong? Here's number one if you're taking notes. Here's what we see in this verse. The first verse that we're going to read is a commitment to fellowship. A commitment to fellowship. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the what? What does it say? They say it out loud. To the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer would you guys circle right there in your notes circle the word fellowship there um, i'm gonna break it down for you give you guys some greek because uh did you really go to church if you didn't learn greek right uh, here, here's the word the word fellowship tra- is translated from the greek word koinonia koinonia here's what it means it means fellowship communion community joint participation and contact that's Koinonia, it's the fellowship, communion, community, fellowship, it's all that wrapped into one. And fellowship was an important was an important part of the early church. They devoted time to this. Did you guys catch that? It says they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, breaking of bread into prayer. There was devotion. That means they scheduled this. That means it was important for them. Time was intentionally blocked out to create space for Christian fellowship. In other words, spending time in community with others, with other committed followers of Christ. That was intentionally blocked out. Now listen, this is important for you guys to realize that fellowship doesn't need to be programmed. Right? You say, okay, Danny, well, fellowship is important, so what is the church doing to make it happen? No, it doesn't, it is not a program. Fellowship is not wrapped around a program. There may be times where fellowship can be calendared. Um, for example, Christmas is right around the corner. And we're going to have our annual Christmas, uh, Swerve Church Christmas party. And guess what? 
You're all invited to come to that. And that's going to be a time of food and music and games. And, and it's going to be a fun time. And you're all invited to that. That's going to be happening real soon. And we're going to be letting you know. And you're all invited and you're welcome to join us. That's on the calendar. We calendared fellowship time outside of a Sunday. But fellowship doesn't necessarily need to be programmed, right? It can happen organically. It's those times that you connect with each other in coffee shops and restaurants. It's the time when you're like, yo, you want to catch a slice of pizza? And you go to Tony's together after church. It's an outing at the park for a movie night outreach or a fall festival. Or like a few weeks ago, a bunch of us got to go to Carnegie Hall and we enjoyed a performance over there, right? That's, that's, out, that's not programmed. It's just something that organically happens. And the early church was committed to fellowship. And so, of course, the natural question to ask yourself is, are you committed to fellowship? Are you committed to fellowship? Specifically, Christian fellowship. Because some of you guys are like, yeah, Danny, for sure. I, I fellowship with my coworkers. I fellowship with my friends. I fellowship with the bartender. Yo, I fellowship hard. Yeah, you don't know. I fellowship so hard, I blacked out one morning and woke up in someone else's living room. Like that. I fellowship hard, Danny. That, in fact, that's why I didn't make it a church last week, because I fellowship so hard. That, that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about here. You need to surround yourself with other followers of Jesus so that you can be encouraged, so you can be strengthened, and so you can be held accountable. You need fellowship with other believers because, and you guys know this, we live in a dark, bleak world full of temptation. But within the fellowship of other believers, you know what you can experience? In the fellowship of other believers, you can have a slice of the perfect fellowship that we will be able to share with Jesus one day in heaven for all eternity. You could bring a slice of that here to earth. The church can be a place to belong to when there is a commitment to fellowship. Here's the second thing we see, that there's a commitment to unity. A commitment to unity. Jump down to verse 44, and here's what it says. They sold their possessions and property, property and distributed to the proceeds to all who had need. And it says there, um, uh, not, all the believe, I'm sorry, not all the believers were together and held all things in common. Right? They, hold, they held all things in common. All the believers were together. Underline that part right there in your notes. That they were all together. And they held all things in common, meaning that there was extreme unity. Now the church can feel like a place to belong to when there's a commitment to unity. In fact, where the Holy Spirit is present and when there is a committed group of believers pursuing Jesus together, guess what? A natural byproduct of that is unity. The early church experiences unity and we should too. Now listen, guys, can you think back to a church experience? If you've been, you know, to, to very many churches, can you, can you think back to a part when you've ever been a part of a church where there was this unity? And if you've ever been there, then you know how destructive that could be. Because there could be bickering and arguing and fights and contention and jealousy. Have you ever been somewhere where, where, that's, where there's this unity? There's that. It's kind of like tug of war. You ever play tug of war? It's kind of two people pulling in the opposite direction on two ends of a rope. And when that's going on, guess what? There's no progression. There's no forward movement. But, but even if you haven't experienced this, uh, just think about this type of unity, uh, this unity on a sports team. What can that do to a sports team if there's this unity? Imagine a divisive team where everyone looks out for their own best interests and no one works together for the good of the team. How far can a team like that make it? Do you think a, a team like that can make it very far? There can't be this unity. Unity is super important for forward momentum and for the advancement of the gospel. 
We need to be on the same page. We need to be together. We need to be united. Where there is divisiveness, there is a lack of movement. And as a church, as a church, Swerve, are we committed to that type of unity? Are we committed to that type of unity? Because we should be. Did you ever walk into a room uh, during or after an argument? You, you came in, you're like, oops, what, what did I just walk into? Maybe it was after the argument, but you know that tension that's in the air? There's like a tension in the air so thick you can cut it with a butter knife, right? Imagine if that happened here. Imagine if that tension was here and a guest walked through the doors. Would they feel welcome? Would they feel invited if that was happening here? Would they feel comfortable? Now, it doesn't mean that we will never have a disagreement or a difference of opinions, right? But it does mean that we choose unity over division. You know, I love what the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 133, verse 1. I have it there in your notes and on the screen. Let's read this verse. Let's, let's read this verse united. Can we do that? Let's read this verse together. Ready? Go. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. It's a beautiful thing. When brothers and sisters in Christ live together in harmony. The church can be a place to belong to when there is a commitment to unity. Here's number three in your notes. There's a commitment to worship. In order to be a church to belong to, there needs to be a commitment to worship. Acts chapter 2 verse 46 says this. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Would you guys just underline uh, where it says uh, they devoted themselves to meeting together. Underline that part and then circle in the temple. See, not only was the church committed to fellowship through the informal gatherings, this, you know, kind of uh, small group or, you know, getting together outside of quote-unquote church, but they were also committed to what's equivalent to going to church together. Right? There was a commitment to the large group gathering and to worshiping together in the temple courts. There was a commitment to both. Right? During, the, during those large group um, gatherings, the early church, yeah, they would fellowship. Yes, they would also worship corporately. They would also pray corporately. And they would sit under the teaching of God's word. Guess what happens when we get together on a Sunday? Guess what happens? We corporately worship, we corporately pray, and we corporately open up the Bible so that we can learn together and hear from God. And this is also an important part of our walk as followers of Jesus. The early church did both. They had small group gatherings and they did large group gatherings. And this is super important for us to understand because unfortunately in our individualized culture, we've reduced the importance of the large group gathering, right? We use excuses like, you know, I'm too tired. It's my only day off. It's too, oh, Danny's too early in the morning. Oh, it's too late. You know, it's too late in the day. Or I'm too shy to go to that large group. Or Danny, my fingernails hurt. I can't go. I can't make it. Right? Whatever excuse you can come up with. And unfortunately, many have reduced the corporate gathering of a committed group of followers of Jesus to a podcast or a YouTube video or a Facebook live stream that you can watch and listen to on your phone. And when you do that, you're missing a huge portion of the blessing that God wants to you experience in the corporate worship gathering. Now listen, I love technology. as the best of them. June tells me, how many tablets you have? Well, I got two of them right here in front of me. I love technology. I got my phone in my back pocket. I love technology as much as the next guy. But, but believe me, when you exchange that over the true, authentic, genuine fellowship that God wants you to experience within the corporate worship experience, you're missing out so much. Look at what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says. Let's read this out loud together. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, it says this. Ready, go. 
And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us not neglect our meeting together. And he throws in, some people do that. But let's not do it like that. No, no, no. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Let's encourage one another. You know, why, why did the outpouring, think about this. Uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it was poured out on the disciples and on the believers when they were all together in one spot. Why? Why did it do that? Why did the outpouring of the Holy Spirit pour out on the believers when they were together in one place earnestly seeking the face of God? Couldn't it happen when they were at their home doing their quiet times? Couldn't it be when they were reading the Bible and praying by themselves, everybody individual, they're seeking God and they're praying? Or couldn't they do it while they were downloading the latest Stephen Furtick sermon to their iPhone on a quick camel ride to the gym? Could, could it happen then? I don't know why. I don't know why. But it was when they were all together in one place, earnestly seeking the face of God. That's when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened. The corporate worship gathering is super important. And it's important that we make a commitment to this. Now look around you. What if you see someone MIA? What if you see someone missing in action? What do you do then? Then we need to encourage each other. Hebrews chapter 10.25. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together. Some people do, but encourage one another. Encourage one another. If you see someone missing, what, what can you do? You can encourage one another. Look for each other. Help one another get back in the game. And that's something that we can all do. And we can all be a part of that. You don't need to wait for a pastor to do that. Every single one of us can do that. In fact, you all have cell phones, right? And use them. Send a text message, a Facebook message. Call somebody. If you see someone missing in action, reach out to them. That doesn't have to be my job or a pastor's job. That's all our jobs. Let us encourage one another. The church can be a place to belong to when there's a commitment to worship. Here's number four in your notes. A commitment to relationship. A commitment to relationship. Acts chapter 2, verse 46, says this. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. Would you guys just underline that last part right there? It says they broke bread from house to house. What does that mean? What does it mean that they broke bread? Um, What does that mean? Well, it means that they would spend time with one another sharing meals. And this is kind of like what happens in life groups. We just finished celebrating an awesome eight weeks of life groups. Thank you to everybody that plugged in and were a part of that. And if you were there, you know that one of the most important parts of life group is what? We, we broke bread. We ate, right? We ate together, right? That was an important part of what we do. When we get together, we get to share a meal. Now, listen, what naturally happens when people spend time breaking bread? What happens? Well, when, 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 when we break bread, when we eat together, relationships are formed. It just happens naturally, right? There's something special that happens when we get together over a meal. Now listen, Thanksgiving is a couple weeks away, right? That's one of my favorite holidays. What's going to happen all over North America, all over the U.S., right? People are going to gather around a table all over America. There's going to be, those dinner tables are going to be filled with friends and family. And they're going to be doing what? Eating together. There's going to be conversation. There's going to be memories made, right? And that's why also when you're trying to meet that special someone, what do you do? All right, you go out. All right, you go out to eat. Let's go out and get something to eat. And you don't care. You don't care if it's a fancy restaurant, a big steak. Like, Let's go to Burger King. Let's go to McDonald's. Whatever. I just want to spend time with you. I want to share a meal. Why? 
Because you're getting to know that person, right? When you break bread, when you eat together, you get to know, you really get to learn one another and cultivate that relationship. Now, we're going to take a deeper dive into this whole eating thing. For those of you that are like foodies and you love to eat, week four, you're going to want to be here. We're going to talk about a place to eat. But I wanted to emphasize this now during this message, because in order to be a church to belong, we need to be a place where relationships can be formed. The early church had a commitment to relationship, and we should too. Now, we we began our time talking about how God has hardwired us for the need for relationship. You, me, everybody that's here, we're all hardwired for relationship. You were never meant to do life alone. And within the context of the church as family, we can fulfill that desire to be known. Now, some of you may say to yourselves, Danny, you know, man, if I made those commitments, if I did that, then you will know the truth about me. You're going to know how lackluster and how wavering my faith is. Danny, if I made that commitment that you're talking about to, to relationship and fellowship and unity, then you're going to know my weaknesses and my struggles. And the answer is yes. Yes, we will. In the context of relationship, it's in the context of relationship that we can be held accountable. It's in the context of relationship that we can repent of sin and our shortcomings. And it's in the context of relationship that we can also lovingly support one another and help each other draw closer to Christ and be more like Christ. So yes, yes, we will know your weaknesses. We will know each other's weaknesses. We will know each other's struggles. We will know how we each waver in our faith. But in the context of relationship, we can spur one another on to follow Christ and be more like Christ. For the church to be a place to belong, there needs to be a commitment to relationship. Now, the whole reason, the whole reason we can be committed to fellowship and unity and worship and relationship is because we have a God that's committed to loving us. The only reason we can be committed to those things is because God is committed to loving us. And the Bible says that we have all sinned and that we all fall short of the glory of God. And our sin broke the relationship we could have had with God. The unity to God, you know, to His purposes, our desire to serve Him and worship Him alone, our relationship with Him, all of that was broken because of sin. And God in His great love for us didn't leave us in our brokenness. Instead, God enters our brokenness. And Jesus is born with the sole purpose of dying in our place for our sin so that our relationship to God, that brokenness that we experience, can be restored. Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life that you or I could not live and He dies the wretched death that you and I deserve to die. And He absorbs God's wrath for our sin. And He dies in our place, paying the punishment for our sin. He dies in our place as the perfect substitution for our sin. And that's why when you put your faith in Him and His perfect work, not in your perfect work, but in His perfect work, He is able to atone or pay for your sin. But then by the power of the Holy Spirit, He didn't remain dead, Jesus raises from the grave, proving that sin no longer has its grip on us. And in Jesus' resurrected life, we too can experience resurrection from our sinful death into a newness of life in Him. And all we have to do, the Bible says, to experience that forgiveness of sin and new life is to put our faith and trust in Jesus. And if you're here today and you haven't made that decision to follow Christ, I want to encourage you to do so. In fact, if everybody would take out their connection cards, I want to show you guys something on the back. There's some next steps for all of us to take. If you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, then I pray that your next step would be to join us next Sunday as we continue the series. Uh, maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus, but you yet to be baptized. I'd love to talk to you about that and try to get that uh, for you uh, this year.
what's your next step? Maybe it's to get plugged into a ministry team. But for some of you, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, then I want to encourage you to make that decision to follow him. Check that off. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to follow up with you. And remember, the church is not a Sunday event. It's not a one-time gathering. It's a family. We want to be your family that comes alongside you, that encourages you, puts a Bible in your hand, and helps you take your next step. If that's you, make that decision today. I encourage you. Would you guys join me in prayer as we wrap up? Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a place, a church, a community where we can belong. Help us realize that the church is not simply an event to attend, but a family to belong to. A family that you sent Jesus to atone for. I pray for a commitment to fellowship and unity and worship and relationship. God, I pray that we be good reflectors of Jesus. Lord, build your church, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.